Hey everybody, welcome back. It's our Wednesday Trashy Breakups here on the Trashy Divorces feed. My name is Stacy. Hey everybody, I'm Alicia. Thanks for joining us today. You got a groovy one today, I huh? can't even. I'm so excited. So you inspired me many, many moons ago, like back in season one or season two with your trashy breakup of Fleetwood Mac. Mm. Okay. <laughs> today, it is my time to volley back at you. Okay. My favorite, super trashy band breakup. Today, I'm covering the trashy breakups of the mamas and the papas. Okay. This band was only together three years. Tip to toe, three years. But they change music forever, mm-hmm. but it is trashy. Okay. We got Cass Elliott. Mm-hmm. We got Michelle Phillips. Mama Cass. We got Denny Doherty. We got John Phillips. So Cass and Michelle, your two mamas. John and Denny, your two papas. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of nuclear families. Oh Nothing weird. These four unlikely creatures get together in a story that is pretty unbelievable. They're going to take the music world by storm, and then they're done. Out. Poof. Three years. After the ride begins, they will self-describe them as a group, as a dysfunctional musical family. Each in one way or another will say that those three years felt like a lifetime. There's a lot happening in that amount of time in those three years, musically, romantically, psychedelically. (laughs) It is a story of magic and friendship and then ultimately Betrayal, adultery, cruelty, unrequited love. This story has everything. Sounds like it. Microcosm. Okay. Here is your TLDR from Denny Doherty, one of our papas, describing many, many years later how it all went down. It was so incredibly fucked up, more than you'd ever believe. (laughs) Nobody ever wanted to hear anything but the good stuff. The truth is what was going on was pure crap. It was as the world turns, the young and the restless, and another world all rolled into one. Michelle and I are having an affair, John finds out, and Mama Cass wants me. Ooh. In the end, no one has what they want, and everyone heads for home. That's the abridged version. Oh yeah, that sounds like it got miserable there. That's the, that's the, that is TLDR. You can quit listening now and miss the rest of it, but that's pretty much what happens. But hey, we're here. Let's Mm -hmm. go ahead and get into it. Mm -hmm. So in order to break them up, I have to bring them together. So let's bring John Phillips into the Trashy Breakups Depot. I will be making not one single excuse for the shit behavior of John Phillips ever in my life. I'm not a fan. Okay. John may be able to write a song and put together a really nice piece of music, but none, not one of his his dreams of stardom would have happened without Cass Elliot and her magic and her connections And John Phillips is just downright mean and nasty and ugly to her. And I will never not be mad about it. He's a disturbing person. I mean, legit. All of that paragraph is not what this episode is about. But just wanted to state my feelings out there very clearly. Okay. Those stories will be told. Just not today. So John Phillips, uh, hmm. Born in 1935, his age is going to become key in just a moment. So I need you to know that in 1957, John is going to marry a wealthy gal from Virginia. Her name is Susan. They have a daughter, Mackenzie. They also have a son. And John is touring around in his folk band called the Journeymen, supported by his wealthy Hmm. wife's funds. Excellent. Traveling around the country 
in his folk band, <laughs> the Journeymen. She's home raising babies. Well, John's going to go out and do a long stint in San Francisco. And one night he's playing the Hungry Eye. That's a club. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And in walks blonde, 16-year-old, on vacation from Los Angeles, visiting San Francisco, Michelle. And in two seconds, Michelle is in love with John Phillips, who is 25, married, with two children. And she is a child. So what could go wrong? As we say, the heart wants what the heart wants. Well, they have two weeks of a grand affair. Mm. Michelle, Mitchie is what they call her. So he's 25, she's 16. Mm -hmm. John and Mitchie. Perfect. In love. And well, you know. Nothing weird there. The gig ends. And uh, John is going to go back home, you know, to his wife and Mm -hmm. children. And he's like, Michelle, babe, Mitchie, I'll call you. But John does not call was gonna, Michelle. He's going to ask. So Michelle's like, you know what? I have a great idea. I know how to handle this. I'm just going to slide over real casually to the other side of the country and make a little house call on John's wife, Susan. How does it go? <laughs> you think Susan would be horrified. But alas, Susan kind of takes it in stride. She feels bad for Michelle. Susan's like, honey... John has a U in every town he goes to. He has a Michelle in every town. You were just the Michelle in San Francisco. That is a very clear-eyed... Susan feels sorry for her. Like, honey, you are pretty and sweet and just move move yourself along and go manifest a destiny that is not with my loser husband. Hmm. But alas... The heart wants in those two weeks in San Francisco, John and Michelle have fallen in love. Now, Michelle, in retrospect, is like, I really can't believe I went to this woman's house and that was really insensitive and mean. Like, who does that? And my answer to that is a 16-year-old child Mm -hmm. getting lied to by an adult man. That's who does that. But alas, John is like, hey, cool. I can make twice as much money if Michelle joins my band and sings. And Michelle is like, I can't sing. John's like, doesn't matter. You're so good looking. We'll teach you how to sing. And so now John is getting divorced. The new band Hmm. is called the New Journeyman. That's his new folk band. Creative guy. Mm -hmm. So John divorces Susan. And marries Michelle, who is barely an 18-year-old. I was, okay. Whew. December 31st, 1962. Jeez. Okay. Now, John and Michelle married together, hanging out in New York, mostly in Greenwich Village. And there's a whole scene happening, right? It, at least that's where the scene is on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. The village is the place to be. And you have a congregation of talent at this time that is not yet heard the Beatles and unplugged, but they're all going to. So that Greenwich Village early 60s thing is going to become enormous in the future. Just put that there. But everybody knows everybody and everybody's playing every gig club they can pick up and passing the hat and they're watching the other musicians playing what they're playing too. And there's another band playing around that time. It's foursome. Going by the name of the Mugwumps. This is Cass Elliott and Denny Doherty, 
who will eventually go on to be in the Mamas and the Papas. It also includes John Sebastian and Zal Yanofsky. John and Zal are going to go on to their musical fame from this foursome as the Mugwumps in the 60s to be the essential part of the Love and Spoonful. Okay. Okay. So, all the people. Sure. All the hanging out. Denny, with his magical tenor voice, is friends with John and Michelle. Fantastic. And then 1964 happens. And it's the Beatles. And every folk musician in the world is like, holy shit, we are over. We have to get an electric guitar and we have to start growing out our hair. This is where the music is headed. There is an infamous night in the village in the fall of 1964. And Denny is hanging with his new friends, John and Mitchie. And they're all like, hey, let's drop some acid. Psychedelics, yeah. So... I want you to visualize the scene. John Phillips is on the floor with his head in between two speakers. And Denny is over John Phillips. Like, you have to listen to the Beatles, man. They're going to change everything. And now everybody has actually dropped the actual acid. And Denny's like, oh, yeah, my friend Cass is coming over. And Michelle Phillips will talk about going and then knock at the door. And we'll go to the door and the acid kicks in right as Michelle Phillips is opening the door. And there is Cass Elliott. In a pink Angora sweater, a white pleated miniskirt and matching go-go boots, and her hair in, like, a bouffant flip. All three band members describe Cass the same way as the acid is kicking in. Oh, Cass. From Virginia, originally. I have a whole loop coming on her. She's a goddess. But the thing I need you to know right now, in the fall of 1964, is that Denny and Cass have known each other a long time. Denny loves Cass. Denny really does love Cass, but not in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that other bouffant hairdo, Cass does love Denny that way. She's in love. She is bonkers. She is bonzo over Denny. Makes for great band dynamics. So by the time the morning comes, after a night on psychedelics, these four, Cass, Mitchie, John, Denny are all now the best of friends. And what's the natural thing that comes next? We should start a band. We should start a band. Okay. But hold up the gears. Because John doesn't think that uh, Cass can sing. Now, please let me tell you that Cass came to New York originally, was in contention for the role in I Can Get It For You Wholesale that Barbara Streisand does get. Right. Cass is talented. A. F. And that's where she meets Elliot Gould, right? Barbara Streisand does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Spiderwebs. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. all spiderwebs. Okay. But John Phillips is like, Cash, she doesn't have the voice. And my music is way too important. And the harmony and melody means everything. And she just, she just doesn't have it. Okay. Hmm. So it's a dreary winter in New York City. And one night, perhaps again on psychedelics, you know, not really getting any gigs in the city. It's cold. It's brown. Let's go anywhere but here. So Michelle's going to throw a dart at a globe that is spinning, mm-hmm. perhaps. Psychedelics may or may not. I, I don't know. And uh, it is decided that St. Thomas is where we are headed in the British Virgin Islands. The, yeah, Virgin mm-hmm. Islands. Okay. So John and Michelle and Denny, not Cass, but John, Michelle and Denny, and then like 13 of their other friends are all off to St. Thomas. Do you think it was really the first dart throw did they was it like australian outback 
oh, that's that's a lot. So unclear. Okay. <laughs> but they head on down to St. Thomas, and they're going to end up finding this dude named Duffy. And Duffy runs like an 18-room motel and bar. And John Phillips is going to meet Duffy and be like, dude, you need entertainment, Duffy. And Duffy's like, okay, sure. You know, I got a few rooms. Y'all can, you know, whatever, stay here, play in my bar. And Duffy's like, they just kept coming and coming with their dogs and their motorcycles. Like, I didn't know what, they just kept coming. Like crowds? No, just all of John and Michelle's, like, Greenwich Village, just, like, well, he's got an 18 room hotel with no room for guests because all of New the- York sucks that time of year. I don't know. <laughs> so the original plan mm-hmm. is for Denny and Michelle and John to live off John's American Express card until his American Express credit limit runs out. Good plan. So the three of them are living at Duffy's it's place. Very long term thinking. Uh-huh. And they're playing. But they kind of suck. And the band next door and the place next to Duffy's is like this New Jersey cover band. And they are raking in the crowds every night. Nobody's coming to see the, you know. Mm. The unknowns with their originals. Duffy's getting mad. Like, y'all are breaking me. I am paying you 150 bucks a week for crowds that never come in. You're drinking all my booze. You're staying in all my rooms. I'm feeding your army. And your dogs. And this is not cool. And, oh, there are a lot of drugs. Really? A lot of alcohol. Hmm. Plentiful drugs. Just floating around the island. Hmm. Interesting. That's where I want to bring you up to. I'm going to take a breath. We're going to take a break. Hear from our sponsors this week. And when we come back, Cass will be coming to the island. See you on the flip, y'all. Sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Dis and Tell, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William vs. Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disentel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's be honest, whether you're back in the office or still in your sweatpants working from home, life's day-to-day responsibilities lack the fun we all want. 
and deserve. If you're looking for a sign to use some of that hard-earned PTO and have some much-needed fun, look no further. FunJet Vacations is a one-stop shop for all your vacation needs, and as leaders in the industry, FunJet Vacations gives you a fast, easy, and fun way to build and book your next vacation with exclusive package deals to all-inclusive resorts in Mexico, Central America, and the Caribbean. For a limited time, our listeners can use promo code FUNJET75, FUNJET75, for $75 off your next FUNJET vacation at Ryu Hotels and Resorts. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly resort or an adults-only getaway, there's a Ryu Hotel and Resort for you. To get started, just go to funjet.com or contact your travel advisor and you'll be out of office in no time. Offer is only valid at funjet.com when booked by October 15th for travel through December 2021. Restrictions apply. Okay, so we have an unwelcome band... Poor Duffy. On an island. Duffy really is getting the short end of the an stick. angry innkeeper. Speaking of, like, if y'all are into the music and into the scene, I know we're titling this episode California Dreamin', but if you really want the history of the Mamas and the Papas, Creaky Alley is the song you really should listen to. Anyway, now it's the winter of 1965, and Cass can't stand it anymore. She misses Denny something awful. And Cass is still hellbound and determined to be in this group that the three of them want to make. So Cass arrives in St. Thomas with an eyedropper full of straight LSD. And now it's like communion every morning. Until that bottle, eyedropper bottle of LSD runs out, Cass just wakes everybody up in the morning when they get up and you do Dosism. A, okay. Yeah, uh, drop on your tongue with your coffee. I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> The four become inseparable, except when the three of them are singing on stage, John, Michelle, and Denny. And Cass will eventually, oh my God, become a waitress for Duffy and sing while they're singing on stage. And she'll be like serving beers or whatever. And she gets just, ah. Cass is the object of like abject humiliation pretty much from the word go by John Phillips. But John, I'm working on my tunes, man. Right? It can... Mm-hmm. Imagine him on the metaphorical couch with Lindsay Buckingham, both in their underwear. Mm-hmm. John, because he's working on his tunes, leaves a lot of time for his now adult wife, who has not really had a youthful experience to be like, hey, the islands are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Maybe my 16-year-old self was just a little hasty with some of my decisions and that Denny. He's dreamy. Denny, head over heels for Michelle. Mm. So the two begin developing feelings for each other. She says it felt a little naughty, but it felt good. Nothing happens. They are just, it's one of those unacted upon, at this point, infatuations Mm -hmm. that clearly has to be evident to everyone that is around. Mm -hmm. If it's not evident, Michelle feels guilty about the feelings that she is manifesting and will go and confess her feelings to John. John, this is just a recipe. Oh my God. This is the best story. I mean, it's terrible. It's trashy, but oh my God. Okay. So she's going to go confess her feelings to John and John kind of turns a blind eye to the flirting, but Cass is like, oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. 
Like, Michelle, you can have any guy you want. Why are you taking our, mine? Our bandmate. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why are you taking mine, Joe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could get anybody, right? Okay. So, one night, during a gig, they're on stage, and Cass is waitressing. And maybe this is legend. All of them tell the story in one way or another. But as I understand it, Cass is waitressing, and a lead pipe falls on her head from the ceiling and hits Cass on the, like, conquer, knocked out, sends her to the hospital unconscious with a concussion. But when she is released from the hospital three days later, Cass can hit the high notes, according to John. Is that true? Is that a true story? Or is that that part of the legend? Recollection is she is hospitalized. I think that she could sing before that. I don't Mm -hmm. know what happened to make John like, whoa, maybe I do need your voice. So it's all around this time. Okay. Michelle confesses the flirting. The lead pipe hits Cass and miraculously Cass Mm. can sing. I see. Okay. Okay. John's feeling a little better about the group, but hey, the limit on that American Express card is uh, getting pretty close to maxed out. Cass will end up leaving first and she's going to head to LA. She's got a lot of friends out there. Why not? Like, I've been in the islands all this time. Let me just go to a... Happier, sunnier kind of place than New York. Your credit card's done, fella. <laughs> well, John and Mitchie and Denny are going to take the longer way around. The three of them, the three of them from the British Virgin Islands, are going to hop a boat to Puerto Rico. They land in Puerto Rico, scrounge out all their pockets. They have a combined total of fifty dollars. What do we do with fifty bucks in Puerto Rico? They promptly go to the casino. Where Michelle Phillips gets the dice and makes 17 straight passes on the craps table. You should hear them talk about this. Like, kiss him, Blondie. Go, Blondie. Wow. It is, Hot it is streak. a okay. riot. And uh, apparently it's the scene, but they make enough money and all that jazz to fly back to New York City first class from Puerto Rico. Also have enough money left over in the summer of 1965, after having spent six months in St. Thomas figuring out their sound, have enough money to get to L.A. Because they're going to go follow Cass to L.A. Okay. Just wait, it gets worse. Because like New York, about to be fall again. Oh, Cass is doing, okay, summer, summer. Head on out. Now, Cass is back in Los Angeles. (laughs) Stick with me here. When she lands out there, she first stays with her husband. What? Hmm. I know, your ears just perked up. Cass got married back in the early 60s, so this guy can avoid the draft. Oh, okay. It is a marriage of utter and complete convenience. Mm -hmm. But her first husband, (laughs) who she's still married to, is living in L.A. in a one-room apartment with his girlfriend. So Cass, when she lands in L.A., like, hooks up with them... Like, let me just crash here until I find my next place to crash. But when John and Michelle and Denny come to California, where do they go to stay? With Cass and her husband and his girlfriend in In the one-bedroom apartment all through the summer of 1965. Again, the dynamics here must have just been great. Okay, Cass is working her way into the group, though, because there's nothing else to do, literally, and they all just sit around and sing together and... 
To be fair, like John's still really suspicious and Cass is still sort of mad about everything and I cannot believe you have followed me out here. I haven't been good enough for you, John fucking Phillips, for months and months and months and now you're in my living room that doesn't even belong? What is wrong with you? Okay. I can understand why Cass is mad. (laughs) So Cass, because of her village connections, like Cass is uh, the Gertrude Stein of Laurel Canyon. She will become known that in just a few short years, but she connects people together. Her networking skills are impressive. But Cass knows Barry Maguire. Now, Barry Maguire has made a fortune just a year or so before with his song, uh, Eve of Destruction. And now Barry Maguire is hanging out in LA and Barry knows this dude named Lou Adler and Lou Adler makes music. He's a record producer, right? Oh yeah. And he's about to launch everything. But in the sixties, yeah, he's, you know, making music. So Cass is really the mover and the shaker here, y'all. You have to know that. It is her connections that actually land the mamas and papas on the map. So John in coming out to California has gotten an audition for Tuesday morning with a label called Mirror Records. And John and Michelle and Denny are really nervous. And they're like, Cass, please audition with us. Because Cass is like, I'm not going to be in your stupid band. Get out of my fucking living room. They're like, please just audition with us. And then we'll replace your voice later. We get you're mad. That's fine. Cass again, John, you've rejected me for months. You fucking suck. And they're like, well, at least you know where we can get some weed because we want to get high. And so Cass is like, sure. So Cass calls Barry McGuire. Who's like, yeah, I got some pot. Come on over. So the four of them all head over to Barry McGuire's house in the canyon. And Barry's like, it's like a Sunday afternoon, right? Barry's like, y'all, I know Lou Adler. Let me get you to sing for him. So Barry McGuire is going to set the mamas and the papas up with Lou Adler Monday morning Mm. before their Mirror Records audition on a Tuesday. Gotcha. Monday, Monday. Cass is like, fine. I guess the pot was good. I don't know. I'll go with you. So they all show up Monday to Lou Adler and Lou Adler is playing it real cool, man. He's just listening. He's got his hat down over his face and they sing a song. Just Mr. Cool Customer. What else you got? What else you got? So... The mamas and the papas are delivering to Lou Adler, right? What they spent months working on. Their harmonies, their mel... And Lou Adler cannot even believe what is happening in front of him, right? But he's playing it cool. He's like, why don't y'all come back tomorrow morning before that afternoon appointment? And so they will. And they come back on Tuesday morning. There are contracts all over the floor in a deal waiting to happen. They have a recording contract. But John's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't be too hasty, man. We're not getting fooled. We need an advance. And Lou Adler's like, oh, shit. Here it comes. Here it comes. And John's like, we need 1500 bucks and a car and you have to pay our rent. And Lou Adler's like, not a problem. Okay. That's so nothing. It's, okay. They're being given a sure. four album recording deal. Sure. Like, you need $1,500 and a car? I got you, buddy. Okay. So John Phillips thought he was being a diva here, though. And 100%. Lou Adler was like, <laughs> just sign my papers, man. Dream small, friend. Sign my papers. Okay. okay. Lou's laughing inside of his heart, right? 48 hours. Everything is done. 
It is early September 1965, and within three months, their debut single, California Dreamin', is going to be zooming up the charts. It's a good story, right? Why does this even belong on Trashy Breakups, Alicia? Because they get their deal in early September, and on Cass's birthday, September 19th in 1965, this, this is finally the day and finally the time that the Michelle and Denny are, uh uh-huh, going to give into on Cass's birthday give in to their physical desires and Mm. the flirtation has been escalating and denny and michelle slip out the door to escalate it a little bit more and the door of the empty apartment next to them falls open and bada boom wow they said they did it one time it was super hot because it consummated everything of all of it this happens on Cass's birthday. There was an open apartment next door to the one they were crashing in. Whatever. It's the 60s. There were psychedelics. I'm just saying, like, go sign that lease. (laughs) Okay, so by January 1966, the debut album is finished. It's not yet out, but it's recorded. And the four best friends, because John doesn't know they've done this. Are they best friends? Cass doesn't know they've done this. But Mm -hmm. Michelle, okay. Album is done. Mm-hmm. It's written. It's produced. They're like, let's go to Mexico. It's time to party. Let's have a good time. There's a lot to drink one night. Denny and Cass are hanging out in the room next to Michelle and John, who are love making. And Denny's really upset. And Denny's like, I gotta get out of here. So Cass follows Denny, like, I gotta get out of here. And they leave the house. And Denny's just blubbering, right? And is crying. Like that scene at the hotel is just too much. And Cass, I love Michelle. The two are fucking in the next room and I just can't take it. And it all, the whole sordid thing comes out. And Cass yells for him to stop the car. I want out. She has taken off her seatbelt. Denny says that she is pulling a Jackie Kennedy on me. Mm. She is getting, she's exiting the vehicle as it's still moving. That's how angry Cass is. The car stops and Cass is furious. And she's like, Michelle is never going to leave John for you. Take me home. You are a pitiful dumbass. Like Cass is hit her limit. Her perfect thing in her mind is now officially shattered. They drive back to the hotel in silence. Cass doesn't say anything to Michelle or John, but mid January, 1966, John will walk in. On Michelle and Denny making out. And John, at the time, will play it cool. But by the end of the day, Mm -hmm. John and Michelle are no longer living in the same place as Cass and Denny. They've moved out. Hmm. But together. Well, they get back to L.A. I mean, they're going to make two albums that year. Right? And you have Michelle and Denny flirting. And you have Cass furious. And John is withdrawing. And... Oh, God, it's all terrible. But now they're hits. They're hit makers. They have a lot of money coming in and everybody gets fancy cars. And they will all say the money and the lifestyle helped smooth that wound. (laughs) That makes sense. I mean, it doesn't necessarily make sense long term, but. They all call it the salve. Like we would have left each other all at that point. But Now they have a number one song. Now they have a number one album. Mm -hmm. They're all taking it out on each other. John Phillips will write, (laughs) I saw her again last night. 
which becomes a top hit, which is all about Denny sneaking out to see Michelle. Like, he's just cruel. Just trolling his I bandmate. Mean, everything is copy. Mm-hmm. He's writing mm-hmm. everything is copy that they're singing. And I get it, tragedy into publishing. But John and Michelle, they're fighting. They split. Cass is now living alone. Michelle is now living alone. But John and Denny now become roommates. Oh, my God. So they can keep an eye on each other. Oh. Oh, my God. Healthy. The summer of 1966, they've only known each other two years. From two years, we have dropped acid in Greenwich Village. We have been to St. Thomas. We have formed a band. We're the number one recording album artist in the world, right? This is a two, this two years. It's a wild ride. Oh, God. I can't even tell you how bad this is. So Michelle and John at the time are broken up. So Michelle is like, oh, I'll just get a new boyfriend. And that new boyfriend is Gene Clark of The Birds who shows up at a Mamas and Papas show one night and there's Gene Clark like making googly eyes at her and Michelle's oh blowing kisses oh my god to Gene Clark and this is a this is a competitor like it would be different if there was just some nobody but John's like dude this is Gene Clark you've got to be kidding me the show comes to a standstill John chases Michelle off stage there is a showdown in the damn parking lot where he's like you're fired you're out of the band. <laughs> and the John essentially goes to Cass and Denny like, it's me or it's her. And like John writes the music. There's not. But like she needs to be fired. She's out. John will say in retrospect, that was a pretty uh-huh. dumb thing to do. Good. But hey, wounded people do shitty things. So yeah. the following morning, there is a letter that Michelle Phillips gets at her home on Lookout Mountain Drive, just a few doors away from Joni Mitchell cold it is a cold like all three have signed it oh god typewritten you're out of the band oh god we all agree you're out of the band you can make no claim on the band um mm-hmm. your you know rights are forfeited blah blah it's terrible In perpetuity you harlot john will tell michelle i made you who you are i gave it to you and i can take it all away and she didn't realize like that was a threat at the time but it was a hundred percent threat so michelle's out of the band Michelle is replaced in the band by this girl named Jill Gibson, who is the blonde girlfriend of Lou Adler. Okay. So the album picture is already done. So they actually just take a picture of Jill Gibson and replace her exactly over Michelle in the run of, yeah. Proto Photoshop. But Jill's not a singer. Like, (laughs) oh, great. (laughs) They're not really, I mean, it's, it's all bad. So Michelle Phillips at this point is almost like begging. I will do anything to get back in the band. And there's pressure from Denny and Cass. Like, come on, John, let her back in the band. Like, we all may hate each other, but if the money is the salve on the wound, like you're really fucking it up for all of us. So Michelle gets back in the band, but she is uh, laced up tight. It is one big probationary period. She has to stay in line. And I think part of her back in the band is John wanted back together with her because this is when Michelle will get pregnant with China, right? Like, so they're Mm -hmm. reunited. Mama Cass is- But but in a way that John can fully control her. 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we just wait wait for his trashy divorces. Ooh, that's a story. So this same year, 1967, Mama Cass is going to have a baby. She does not reveal to anyone who the father is. She's entirely pregnant, going to do it herself. John Phillips is such a jerk. He's like, you should really abort that child. No business. 
you having a baby in the world. I, he's terrible to her. John and Michelle trying to make it work. Cass, new mom. Michelle, again, pregnant this year. And John is really on his way to becoming very, very addicted to drugs. To where Michelle will say that this time he just let junkies in. Like drugs were always something that were never a thing to John. His whole life had been music. Everything suffers. The work isn't as good. You know, the band doesn't sound as good. And Cass is really distancing herself. Like this is, you know, 67, what am I doing here? I could have a solo career and I wouldn't have to put up with any of you brats. <laughs> I have a child. This is getting ridiculous. So Cass is going to begin to take care of herself in a different way. By the time they hit Monterey Pop in 67, they are on their last legs. This will be the Monterey Pop Festival will be one of their last performances as a band together. Three years, tip to toe. By the end of 68, they're officially broken up. Uh, every bit of trust and faith in anything good they may have had is completely gone. Denny will begin very much hardcore drinking. To his credit, he gets sober. His second wife gets pregnant and he stops drinking. Like he, Denny has a very good thing happen on the other side. So does Michelle Phillips. Cass Elliott, whole different story coming, but always got us. John is going to get deep into drugs. But as Cass is pursuing her solo career, even as the band is now broken up, Cass is going to go to Denny one more time. And he's drinking more. But Cass is going to be like, marry me. I can make you happy. I know you're drinking away, Michelle. I know you are deep into it, but you are losing everything. And if you just give me a chance, I can make you happy. And Denny's like, nope. So Cass leaves and never looks back. She's going to have a few more romances in mm -hmm. the future. But that, in essence, is the three years together of the Mamas and the Papas. And all of its trash candy detail. That is well done. And I gather that you're going to be bringing us more individually focused stories as we go. 100%. 100%. We are having a grand time on Patreon with Love Letters to Laurel Canyon, which is part of this story I've got. Mm -hmm. 58 more to tell. They're amazeballs. It's every address. And then I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what a ride. Anyway, that is Trashy Breakups for today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that 60s psychedelic smash of Trashy. It really is Trashy. <laughs> pretty Trashy. I had to I had to come out and compete with Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, That's well... I, it's pretty good. Gauntlet that's a, thrown. That's a yeah. That's a <laughs> that's a fierce competitor right there. Y'all, we'll be back on Sunday with another new episode of Trashy Divorces. If you need us in the meantime, you can get some free episodes over at bit.ly/trashcandy in any browser. Just plug it into a browser. Just plug it in. And if you need more trash candy than that, you can support us for eight hundred or something extra episodes over at Patreon.com/trashydivorces. Yep. New stuff coming out like every All day. Yep. All treats, no tricks, October. <sighs> Thanks again, y'all. Until we see you on Sunday. Yep. Keep your hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy. Big love, friends. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, 
with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.